The following sermon is by Dan Thomas, pastor and teacher at Community Church in Edwardsburg, Michigan. If you've never visited us at Community Church, we invite you to join us at 28647 US 12 West in Edwardsburg. And now, here is Pastor Dan Thomas. Okay, I have to start with uh, kind of a, a, I don't know if this is an apology, a declaration, or something like that. Francis and I are playing grandparent this weekend. It was my daughter's anniversary, so we have the two grandkids and getting them ready to come to church today. I have a whole new appreciation for anybody with little kids, just so you know. And you are welcome to come in late. Uh, come in with in your pajamas. Come in with your breakfast on your lap. That's fine, uh, because we uh, we survived, and uh, I think we're still standing. I'm really glad Francis is down the hall with the kids today. Otherwise, she'd be sleeping over here today. I'm pretty sure, uh, because we're not quite used to that. But we'll uh, we're having a pretty good time. But we will be resting well uh, tomorrow uh, morning. I think we'll be trying to catch up a little bit. Okay, we are going to look, uh, continue our look into the Servant on the Mount, which means Jesus is teaching us about his kingdom. He's teaching us uh, what kingdom life looks like. And uh, as we do that, we get to one of the passages that uh, is probably the most quoted passage in all of Scripture. Because it's not only quoted by people who follow Scripture and know Scripture, but it's quoted by people who hardly ever look at Scripture. They know the verse that says, Judge not that you be not judged. So I was trying to think of a clever thing. I couldn't come up with anything. Does anybody, I know I'm going really old school here. Does anybody know what that is? Sammy Davis Jr., here come the judge. Anybody? Okay, a few of you remember that. Here come the judge. Here come the judge. I, I was trying to think of something current. I couldn't think of anything. I mean, the closest I got was Judge Judy, and I don't know if she's still on anymore or not. I know they have all types of those legal shows still on with the judges, but I didn't know any of them. So I was like, okay, we'll go with Judge Judy up there. But we are going to talk about that idea of judgment. So let's go ahead and read through the first six verses of chapter 7 of the book of Matthew. This sermon really, uh, it's, it's kind of nice we have a little, we'll call it a more intimate group today on a holiday weekend, but uh, I'm, I think we'll, um, you know, can kind of talk a little bit more in a teaching mode and, and uh, just realize how incredibly practical Jesus is here. Uh, we, as we've been going through the Sermon on the Mount, he's been talking, again, about kingdom living. He's been emphasizing the heart of the matter in everything. First of all, it's a matter of a heart. It's a matter of relationship. That's what it's about. And that theme continues throughout the Sermon on the Mount. But I think as we get into this, you'll see it's incredibly, if you want to say practical, and something that we really need to navigate life today. So let's go ahead and read through those six verses. Uh, Jesus said, Judge not that you be not judged, for with the judgment you pronounce you will be judged, and with the measure you use it will be measured to you. Why do you see the speck in your brother's eye and don't even notice the log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take that speck out of your eye when there's a log in your own eye? You hypocrite. First, take the log out of your own eye. Then you can see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Do not give Dogs, what is holy? Do not throw the pearls before pigs, lest any trample them underfoot and turn to attack you. Now, judge not that you be not judged. Amen? We are never supposed to judge. Well, let's look at that uh, and make sure that's what he's saying there because truth of the matter is, uh, Paul used to use phrases like this. He'd say, you're accursed. 
He, he said that a lot of different groups. He said, they, let them be accursed. It seems kind of judgmental. Jesus, even in this last verse we looked at, talked about them being dogs and pigs. Not really compliments at the time. Okay, the dog wasn't the nice little pet that was a dog. It was more of a street dog, uh, a pest, uh, something that you know, would trample, that wasn't good for society, if you want to say it like that. I don't know. I don't think we have anybody in here who has a pet pig. Uh, my, my daughter that I mentioned, they have a neighbor who's catty corner that has a pet pig. You know, it's just in a suburb, and it's, it's kind of unusual. I mean, it's a big piece of bacon. It's, it's, uh, uh, it's not like a little guy. Uh, and, you know, you see this pig wandering around the yard, and it's kind of a weird thing. I also heard, you know, Billy Graham's son, Franklin, apparently he had a pet pig. That was a big deal that he, he had a pet pig, too. But that's not what Jesus is talking about here. Uh, Jesus used terms like dogs, pigs, vipers, foxes, and again, not in a cute little sense here. So there were, and in fact, uh, Jesus said in John uh, 7, verse number 7, he said, you know, the world hates me because I testify of their evil. In other words, there's sometimes when I have judged them to be wrong. And the Bible definitely calls us, we'll say, to judgment. So the first thing we're going to look at is what does the Bible say what is the biblical view of judging? Okay, we want to throw this out here. Judge not that you be not judged, but as you look throughout Scripture, there most definitely is a call. Now, if you want to change the word to discernment, we don't judge, but we have to be discerning. You can if that makes you feel better. But truth of the matter is, we are called to say that some things are right and some things are wrong. Okay, the Bible clearly says uh, that we are to beware of false teachers. Well, then you have to figure out what a false teacher is. The Bible says very clearly that accursed is anyone who preaches another gospel. Okay, so you better figure out who's preaching the false things. And the Bible also talks about certain kinds of behavior and says, hey, this is wrong. You need to avoid it. Whatever you do, stay away from folks who are living like this and do not live that way yourself. I mean, the Bible makes this very plain. So somewhere, I'm going to have to be discerning. And if we could not only be biblical, but also be logical here for a minute, folks, everybody knows that there's a right and wrong. Okay, if anybody ever comes to you and says, you have no right to tell me I'm wrong, just slap them real hard. No, I don't really want you to do that. I'm, I'm illustrating with absurdity. But if you slap them real hard in the face and they said, why'd you do that? I said, well, I can do whatever I want. Seem right to me. Uh, if there's no right and wrong, you know, and, and the truth is the very uh, knowledge that we have that there isn't right or wrong is proof that there is a God. And take God out of the picture. And why is anything right, right and wrong? So, you know, if you, if you kind of think through that there, there is such a thing as absolute truth. There is such a thing as right and wrong. The only thing is we get to, that people question all the time is who gets to determine that? And the answer, by the way, is always God. The question is just who is your God? If you yourself are your God, I guess you get to determine what's right and wrong. If the God of the Word of God, the true God, the one God is God, then he gets to determine what's right and wrong. But basically, it is not biblical to say, okay, you don't ever judge. You don't ever say that anything's right and wrong. Here's the thing. Oh, i got to read this quote because it's good. Ready? You ready for this? Where is it? It's in my notes. Here you go. God, so what happens in this text is it doesn't prohibit judging, but, are you ready? It does prohibit the spirit in which we often judge. Okay, let me say that again. It does not prohibit judging, but it does prohibit judging in the spirit in which we so often judge. So our first word that we look at there is it being biblical. Second word, just to go with alliteration there, remember that judgment has a boomerang aspect to it. 
with the judgment that you pronounce, you will be judged. If you want to say what goes around, comes around. But basically, the idea of sowing and reaping is here. Later on, and next week in the text, we'll find what we call the golden rule. Okay? Do unto others as you would have done unto you. Well, that applies here. We're going to be judged in that same way. There's a story uh, recorded in the book of Esther of a guy by the name of Haman who hated the Jews, hated God's people, hated one Jew in particular, a guy by the name of Mordecai. And throughout the book, he plots his demise. In fact, he even builds gallows to hang Mordecai. But God shows favor on Mordecai, turns the whole story around, and guess who is hung on the gallows? Haman ends up being hung on the gallows. But the idea there is many times we build gallows for ourselves. And when we judge in a harsh, cruel, self-righteous manner, that is exactly what we're doing. So always beware of the fact that there is a boomerang aspect to this. Be careful how we're looking. My, uh, my wife and I always laugh. Our kids had two very, 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 very different grandmothers. Uh, my wife's mother, who, who joined us here this spring for a while, well, maybe it was three or four years. No, it was, it was uh, several months. Uh, but uh, she, uh, she was the type of grandmother that could see no wrong in grandchildren. I mean, you know, if, if ever, no, don't punish them. Uh, they didn't mean to. Uh, rest, you know, she was trying to hide the thing that they did wrong and, and everything like that. And she never saw them do a thing wrong. My mother watched them like a hawk. You know, she was just all the time <laughs> you know, watching those kids step out of line and, and their dirt on their shoes and anything like that that she found. Uh, but we, want, we don't want to have that spirit that is watching and uh, you're trying to figure out what everybody else is doing wrong, having that criti critical, self-righteous, judgmental spirit because it's going to come back to us. Now, I was feeling very illiterate, so we have another B word here. Uh, we'll take the uh, King James word. Instead of saying the uh, log in your eye, we'll say the beam that's in your eye. Okay. Uh, a lot of the writers suggested that Jesus was being somewhat humorous here because you have this vision of this person with this giant thing sticking out of their eye, and he's trying to get a splinter out like that. Okay. One of the things that I had never really realized until I looked at that the last couple of weeks is, is the idea that the splinter and the beam are made out of the same substance. Okay? Now, that hit home because for me, oftentimes the areas where I become most judgmental is of things that I know are wrong in my own life. Have I been there? Okay, it's the same substance. The same thing is in me, and I don't like to see it in it. Boy, I had a real hard time with my son with that. When I would see him doing the same things I was doing, I became very uh, harsh and very judgmental sometimes. But that's it. We often see, uh, you know, things in other people's lives that actually exist in our lives. And uh, is clout clouded by that. In fact, I have found that when we're in a context where we, you know, maybe like in a church meeting or whatever like that, and we're discussing that somebody has done wrong and what course of the matter to take, those who are the most judgmental are oftentimes that later on you find out they have the same problem. So be very careful. So what are we talking about here? What is Jesus talking about? He is talking about the hypocrisy that fills our lives. Some of you might remember the story of uh, David after he committed adultery. He was confronted by a prophet by the name of Nathan. Now the, uh, the Gilberts are, uh, are gone today. They're up in Minnesota for graduation. But they have two boys, David, who does our thing, and Nathan. 
I was kind of wondered if you were asking for conflict by naming your kids David and Nathan. I, I don't know. But, uh, but Nathan came to David after David had committed adultery, and he told him a little story about a guy who had stolen somebody else's, you know, lone possession that they had of a sheep. And, and David got so angry. And you, you, anybody remember what Nathan said? That's you. <laughs> you the man. Uh, he didn't say you the man. He said, you're the man. You're the one who did that. Okay? And that's it. Uh, Jesus is saying here that uh, this hypocritical, we need to beware of what is in our own life. Okay, so let's go to another word. One last B I have for you, the importance of balance. That last verse, again, how does that connect? Do not give uh, to the dogs what is holy. Again, not a cute little dog, but a dog that is, a, a, if you want to say, a street rat type of animal or whatever like that is seen. These are animals that are seen trampling underfoot that which is of value. And Jesus is saying that there are those who will trample underfoot the truth of God. Okay? He's saying don't give that to them. So there is a place as far, again, how does this fit in with our judgment and everything else? For one thing, there is a place where I say, yes, I want to proclaim the truth of God's word. Yes, I want to know what is right and wrong. But I'm not going to throw the pearl of God's truth in front of people who want, don't want to have anything to do with it. They don't care. So they basically are going to say to you, I don't care what God says. They're not interested at all. What do you do at that point? I believe you shut your mouth and do your very best to live the truth of God's word before them and love them well. You don't continue to over and over again bring up uh, God's truth and tell them over and over again or you're casting it before swine like that. Okay. I'm out of breath. Uh, but uh, we're going to breathe for just a second here. And again, folks, just, just have just a little casual conversation for a second. Can we realize, or would you realize with me for a second, that uh, this is a big issue today? How you deal with things that are wrong. Because Christianity is not all that popular right now, it's not peaking. And the reason why most people would say why they don't like Christians and everything like that is because they say, oh, wait a minute, you're too judgmental. You have no business doing that. I read a story this week, and I think this is five years ago or so, but uh, the, the folks, uh, the Magnolia people, uh, I blanked on their names. Jay Gaines, thank you. Uh, sorry, Chip and Joanna. Yeah, I remember Demo Day, and uh, I watched a lot of those with my wife. In fact, we even made a pilgrimage to Waco. Anybody else? Been there? Okay, actually, we didn't. My daughter was in school there, so we had an excuse. Uh, but uh, but I did go to their little, little place there. But Chip and Joanna, you know, you saw one of these headlines come up. It says scandal uh, hits the gains, and and of course, being this good Christian that I am, I always read. <laughs> but anyway, I did read it, and uh, I thought, okay, I'll read and see what the scandal is that hit the gains. And here's what here's what the scandal was. This blew my mind. The picture they show, you think they're getting a divorce and family's falling apart and he tried to kill her, you know. Here's what the scandal actually was. Their pastor at the church they go to had made this statement. He said that he believed that the Bible teaches that marriage is between one man and one woman for a lifetime. <gasps> they didn't even say it. They're, they're, they go to a church where somebody said that. 
and we better boycott them uh, and not listen to them anymore and take their show off the air because they go to a church where somebody actually believed this. I mean, that's, that's a lot of times where we get. So how do we navigate here? What do we do? How do you stand for truth but at the same time understand that we are not to be uh, judgmental in the fashion that th- let's talk about here. Okay, so we're going to try to be real practical here. Go through some do's and don'ts with this. We are called uh, to... I guess you could say unconditionally love people, but we are not called to unconditional approval. So let's see what this looks like here. Let's start with some don'ts. Number one, don't judge an entire life based on mistakes. Okay, do we ever do that? Oh, yes, uh, we do that. Um, when I uh, began teaching, um, there was a kid in my sophomore class that, uh, a great kid. In fact, he has been pastor now for probably 35 years or something like that. Uh, great kid, his name's Jimmy. And uh, we were in a little meeting. We were talking about somebody we needed for a leadership position. And I said, how about Jimmy? And everybody who had been there before me said, no, you don't know, do you? I was like, I don't know what. Here's, here's what happened. Jimmy, at this point, was a sophomore in high school. When Jimmy was in seventh grade, he and a buddy decided to be a peeking Jimmy, uh, and they had crawled into the ceiling of the girls' locker room. <laughs> I'm glad a couple of you laughed, because I think it's kind of funny, too. Oh, uh, and I thought I was just twisted. Uh, but they had, they had crawled, crawled in there, and the thing that gets funnier is in the middle of the thing, the, the ceiling gave way. Yeah, so they got found out because, hello, good morning, America, here we are. And my favorite part of the story is their, their excuse for being up there. They said they were in the classroom up above, and they dropped a quarter that went into a crack, and they were looking for <laughs> I mean, you got to come up with a better story before you go into the whole thing there uh, than that. But Jimmy had done that when he was in seventh grade. So in the 10th grade, I said, something, hey, Jimmy would be a great guy. And everybody said, oh, no, Jimmy. He's the creeper. Uh, he's the ceiling creeper. And it is amazing how a lot of times you get that reputation. There are a couple folks. Out, out, oh, yeah, I see one here today that, is, that was a former student of mine. I guarantee. Now, you're going to find this hard to believe. This, uh, just fashion your seatbelt. There were times in my youth where I used to get angry. Uh, yeah, I wasn't always the angel that I am now. Uh, but uh, you know, there were times when I know I had former students that would say, oh, man, you should see how mad he got about this. In fact, I get together with former students sometimes, and that's all they want to talk about. Remember when you tried to kill someone? I didn't try to kill anybody uh, like that. But there are always things like that. You, you folks yesterday, and you know, you love this. Now, again, if people gather for my funeral and they wanted to have a little roast, an airing of the grievances, <laughs> you could go on for a long time. Let's have an airing of the grievances. Hey, remember when he did this? But I was thinking, I'm sure because Dean is, is not a, was not a perfect man, uh, I'm sure you could have, okay, because we could do that with anybody. But nobody did. You have a funeral, and what do you say? You remember the good. You kind of edit out like that. And that's very much what I'm saying here. We have a tendency to dwell on the mistakes. Let's highlight that. Let's put that on the record and hold that there. Well, instead, how about we edit that out and we do what we did when we gather uh, like we did yesterday and we remember the good. Where in the world did I go to boomerang? I guess I was inadvertently pressing the backwards button. Okay, second thing we do is don't judge motives. Folks, this is, this is so crucial. This is so important. We, are, we do not have the ability to judge motives, but yet we do it all the time, and we get ourselves in trouble. Again, let me tell you just one uh, real quick story from my teaching days. A uh, young lady that 
I uh, had some attitude issues sometime. I remember she was sitting over here in my classroom. I knew that day I was going to teach something she wasn't going to like. It was a Bible class. I knew she wasn't going to like it. So I commenced the teaching, and she had her head down and just kind of scowling and, and just kind of ignoring me and everything like that. And I put up with it for about 10 minutes, and I thought, no way she's doing this in my classroom. Uh, you know, so I took off over there, and I said, hey. I said, I don't need this. If you don't want to stay, you don't have to stay. You can leave. If you don't like what I'm saying, anything like that. Found out. She wanted to listen to the word. I said, her horse had died that morning. Yeah. I know you want to stone me, don't you? Right? <laughs> You're a jerk. Uh, yeah, believe me. I felt like it. Uh, you know, but again, I had her heart figured out. She just didn't like what I was saying, and I was gonna, not going to put up with that. I was not going to put up with her attitude. I didn't have her heart figured out at all. Her heart was broken, and I was as judgmental as I could be. Oh, how much we want to be careful to make sure that basically, just say that as a rule, I am not going to judge motives. Um, one of my prayers, and I hope you'll pray this with me, Pastor Josh and Hannah, all right, this is their first rode down the, the pastoral ministry. And one of the things that sometimes is very hard about pastoral ministry is, now, I'm, I'm just going to tell you this straight up. There are situations in ministry where you can go into because it pays real well. I, I'm, this is not a gripe, but this does not rank way up there. Okay, well, you know, hey, let's go there uh, in the middle of this cornfield in Edwardsburg and we'll become rich and famous. Okay, what I'm saying is uh, many times people go in and they jump into ministry and the heart is I want to serve God. And people forget that, you know, because they're going to do some things wrong. In fact, I have a list of things Josh does wrong. Uh, I, can, I can share with you. Hannah's list much much shorter, but we, we have a list. Uh, and the, the idea, though, of just saying, uh, hey, wait, wait a minute, uh, I understand their heart a little bit, and I want to. I want to see where they're coming from. You know, they're not in ministry to see if they can mess kids up. <laughs> Let's see if we can scramble their lives. We will do some things wrong, I guarantee you. But remember, we're not, it's not about judging the motives. The third thing that uh, on the don't list before we hit you with a couple do's is uh, very simply, you know, hypocritical behavior. Why is it that uh, Christianity and Christians are often called hypocrites? Because we often are. Uh, very simply. And, uh, you know, people sometimes will just say, hey, you're judge, and I'm going to get to this in, in a few minutes, you're judgmental about this over here, but you really don't see the problems that you have. And we want to be very careful about that going forward. Now, I want to jump ahead to some do's here. Number one, what are we to do? We are to speak truth. But we are to stick to the truths. If I could say it like this, my job is to teach the Bible, and if that means I take some lumps, take the lumps, if I am teaching the truth. My job is not to share my opinions, okay? If I'm teaching God's truth and I take some lumps, so be it. If I decide that what I want to do instead is let you know what I think about everything, you have, I hope you have noticed, like, in different issues, like, for example, politics, do I have political opinions? Yes, I'm human. I've voted for every election since Ronald Reagan. Uh, <laughs> Herbert Hoover. No, not quite that long. Uh, but, uh, and uh, I do have, have some opinions. But if you will give me this one here, here's what I love to say. I have no hope in donkeys or elephants. I have no hope in Joe, Kamala, Donald, Ron, 
Go on the list. Gavin, whoever, uh, whoever comes in there. Uh, Nikki, yeah, I'm trying to think of the different, different candidates like that. I do not believe that they are the answer. In the, and, you know, I'm not going to say, hey, let me, let me let everybody know that I think this is the answer. We're talking here about Jesus' kingdom, uh, stuff like that. And I, don't, I really don't want to have my opinion be something that, that drives folks away. Okay? You say, well, don't you think there's some issues right and wrong? I'm sure that there are. And I want to proclaim them. I want to proclaim God's truth boldly. But I want to stick to the truth and not get caught up in sharing my opinion. Does that make any good sense to you? If it does, maybe you'll want to do that too. Now the other two I'll put up there together. Not only do we want to speak truth, but we want to make sure that we're showing respect and showing humility. Um, I'm not really a, a bumper sticker kind of guy. I don't have had a bumper sticker for a long time, but I did back when I was in college on my Honda Civic. That was back in the days when Honda Civics were like Yugos or smart cars. They, they weren't nice cars yet. They were just kind of junky little things. I had a bumper sticker that's red. Christians are not perfect, just forgiven. Anybody remember that one? Christians are not perfect, just, for, just forgiven. And I think that what we need to realize as we deal with people so much, yes, we are called to behave differently, but we understand that we live in a sin-cursed world and we are still going to mess up. Here's something that I, I want to make sure I got to because it was kind of, kind of exciting revelation uh, to me. Um, I've been going through the uh, scripture reading in a year thing and I decided we were on vacation last week I was just going to take a break and do something different I wanted to read the book of Romans so I started uh into the uh into the book of Romans and okay stay stay with me on this if you were to talk specifically about uh sexual whatever sexual sin sexual confusion uh every, everything like that and you say well I don't even know if that's in the Bible the place that I would take you to is Romans chapter 1 and say, yes, it very clearly is in the Bible and it clearly is in the New Testament. So that statement that the, I said before that, that, that the Gaines pastor said, I would say amen. That is true. That is God's plan. One man, one woman for a lifetime. Okay. Well, you're being judgmental. I, I believe Romans chapter 1, among other passages, makes that very plain. So I read Romans chapter 1, and, and uh, I was feeling a little self-righteous, you know, because, yeah, that's right. Uh, then I read... Romans chapter 2 and Romans chapter 3. Romans chapter 2 begins with talking to me about my judgmental heart. And look at yourself. Never really got that far. You know, I just stopped after Romans chapter 1 because I could tell other people that they're wrong. I don't want anything that tells me I'm wrong. And if you are familiar with the book of Romans, um, it, it does give a beautiful map, if you want to say, of God's plan of salvation. And Romans chapter 3, many of you could quote a couple verses in there. One of them says that all have sinned um, and come short of the glory of God, Romans 3.23. It also says that there are none righteous, no, not one. So, uh, again, so what the Bible is say, saying there, you know, if I want to pluck out that first part and say, that's right, that sin is terrible. Uh, honestly, okay, this is real practical, really hard-hitting here for a second here. I have heard this statement many times. Uh, people will say, okay, wait a minute, you think that this sexual sin is wrong, but do you know that most Christians, I'm sorry, that the, the number of Christians who live together outside of marriage and commit adultery is just as high as it is for non-Christians? And I got nothing. I really don't. What I am saying is, we need. I'm not, I'm not saying anything is right or wrong based on that. What I'm saying is, I need to be careful that I'm not all about spotting 
what everybody else is doing wrong and realize that we've got some issues too. We have all sinned and come short of the glory of God. And we need to come back to that over and over again. Now listen, now listen. There are some times, I, I made the statement before, we want to love people unconditionally, but we don't have to accept unconditionally. There are some times when people will say, I don't accept that. In other words, if you tell me that what I'm doing is wrong, don't tell me you love me. Okay, we actually have an extended family member who has told us that. If you're going to tell me what I'm doing is wrong, don't tell me you love me. And there's nothing I can do about that. I, there really isn't. I can still try to love him as best that I, I can, and that's what I will do. And I will still love him despite that. However, I'm not going to, I'm not called to unconditional acceptance for what is wrong. So I'm not going to do that. Let me show you a quote that I found from a preacher back in the 1800s. Uh, I don't think I've ever quoted George before, but uh, didn't know who he was. But he, he made this statement. He said, don't hate the man on account of his vices, but don't love the vices on account of the man who practices them. And I thought that counsel, though it came from a couple hundred years ago, um, was incredibly wise. Because you watch people oftentimes, and first of all, we're judging people who are victims of sin. You know, they're carrying the burden of sin. They're, they're, uh, they're, they're trapped in it. And instead of caring and instead of loving, we're judging oftentimes. And we end up hating the person and thinking that that person is evil. How, how important it is that we remember who the enemy is. Okay? The enemy is not the people that are trapped in sin. But don't love the vices on account of the man who practices them. And this is something we get into all the time. Yes, I have somebody that I love and care about. And yes, they are doing this. That doesn't, how often I begin to rationalize and say, well, that, that's not that bad. It's not that big a deal. This, to me, this is a great little quote just to bring balance to the whole idea and like I said even better and and I prepared the sermon a couple weeks ago uh, before we took off uh, for last weekend and then I read Romans and I thought oh wow I missed this I missed this yeah I've been saying over and over again you don't just pluck things out of context okay remember those verse divisions and those chapter divisions they're not inspired they just put them in there to help us find things in the Bible I'm glad they're there but it's not like God said okay I'm done with chapter one where I condemned this sin now let's talk about something different over here it all fits together and in everything what what God is doing there in the early chapters of Romans is showing us that we all need a savior how crucial that is and I think that this statement here can help us to to come up with a balance let me back up again a few weeks when we started the Sermon on the Mount we said that a very foundational statement at the beginning was Jesus started off and he said, blessed are the poor in spirit. Okay, those who recognize their spiritual poverty, those who recognize their need for Jesus Christ as Savior. When we started into the, uh, what is called the Lord's Prayer, we started the, with Jesus saying, here's how you pray, is pray our Father who is in heaven. Hallowed be your name. Okay, and we focus on that idea of this incredible relationship that the God of the universe, the one who is to be revered, who is to be hallowed, has called us to where we can indeed also say Father. And, and let me bring us back to that again. As you approach this issue of judgment, um, I, I wanted to try to be practical, but l listen, I'm, t I'm talking for 
however long I'm talking, 30 minutes. <laughs> I think it's two hours. Uh, but uh, how, how, however long, I always am aware of the fact that, some, that you know, this uh, Dan's going to get in there. Okay. I, I pray at the beginning, God, don't let Dan in here. Uh, let me say what you once said. But Dan is a pushy fella. And, uh, and sometimes, you know, I, I jump in there. And, you know, if there's something that, you, that I've said today and you think I'm going to, no, I, I think he's off on that one. Okay. But here's what I want to draw you back to. I want to draw, draw you back to the Word of God and back to what Jesus was teaching from the beginning. That we start with what goes on right in here. That I recognize Everything begins when I recognize that I need a Savior, Jesus Christ. That's how my spiritual life begins because I then trust in Jesus when I realize that I need a Savior. I call on Him. But that's really where it continues that each day I realize how much I need Him. And what is going to be the key to me maintaining the right kind of attitude for me to make sure that I am not judging in a way that is harsh, critical, self-righteous. I am judging and discerning as God calls me to, but I am not judging in a way that, it, that is wrong, uh, that is evil. The key to that is, is going to be to me coming back to what Jesus said about the heart right there. Blessed are those who are poor in spirit. That's me. I mean, if I'm starting each day with God, I need you. Father in heaven. <laughs> you, the, the one who knows everything. Hallowed be your name, the one who is great. Give me this day my daily bread. I need you just to get by today. Every breath I breathe is a gift from you. And I want, I want to trust in that. So hopefully, uh, folks, I know, I know it's tough. I know, I know um, we have a number of folks that are part of our church family that uh, face these issues all the time in their family. And, uh, and then all of us face them in life sometimes. How is it that you can do this here? Okay. How is it that you can keep from hating the person because of the sin that they commit? And how is it that you can also stop from turning around then and loving that sin because of the person that you love is committing them? It's incredibly rough, isn't it? But I think Jesus gives us this, and I think the key is, again, to realize, God, I need you. I need you. Uh, I'm not going to heaven because I'm good. Okay? I'm going to heaven because Jesus paid the price for my sin. Okay? I'm not able to walk in righteousness because I had a good upbringing. I'm able to walk in righteousness because Jesus Christ said, I am going to take your sin and I'm going to impute. I'm going to put into you my righteousness. That's, that's really the only claim I have. Nothing as far as my own works am I going to hold on to, but I'm going to cling to that cross of Jesus Christ. You've been listening to Pastor Dan Thomas of Community Church in Edwardsburg. For more information about the church, you can visit our website, edwardsburg.church. You may also contact the church via email, info at edwardsburg.church, or call us at 269-663-2648. Thank you for listening.